It's June 6, 2022, and this is the Watson Weekly, your essential e-commerce digest. Today at our show, Rick is out of town, but we have a new special edition interview with a very dear friend of mine, John Lawson. John Colder Ice Lawson is one of the OGs of e-commerce and a small business coach for growing e-commerce sellers. Today's episode is a wide-ranging interview on a number of super interesting topics, such as how do you compete with Amazon as a retailer or brand? The very early days of eBay and what they got wrong, the history of e-commerce and social selling, and finally, the importance of understanding your audience in e-commerce. Welcome, everyone. This is Rick Watson, host of the Watson Weekly Podcast. This is the dinosaur edition of the Watson Weekly Podcast. I'm really excited to interview slash talk trash with an old friend of mine, Mr. John Lawson, literally one of the OGs of e-commerce and anything related to the interwebs. (laughs) Yeah, the interwebs. (laughs) What's up? John, we're out here today at the Directors Guild of America, the Global E-Commerce Leaders Forum. How the hell do I describe to people who John Lawson is? What is John Lawson? You know what? I think just at the basic level, I mean, I'm, a, I'm an e-commerce coach, you know, a business coach. And I just think a lot of people need that before they even get to the consulting part. You know, it's like I got to right. coach him a little bit. and They need personal coaching. They do. Everybody needs personal coaching. I need a personal coach. Everybody needs personal coaching. You know, I tell people part of the coaching is being a bartender. You have to listen to people's issues. Being a bartender. Yes. Bar- bartenders make the best psychologists. They do, don't they? Right. Because they listen to people all day and spout off some wisdom and you get out of there. Plus you're drunk. But I mean, that helps too. It certainly helps. <laughs> So how did you originally get into e-commerce? Like go go back to okay. the beginning. Like and, and yeah. what 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 decade are we talking about here? <laughs> so it's around 2000. A friend of mine came to me with a house flipping opportunity. Mm-hmm. I was the guy signing the paperwork and he was supposed to be the boots on the ground getting the work done. Mm. Supposed well, to be. Supposed is the key to be. Answer. I did say that, right? Right. I did say that. And so, you know, long story short, I got stuck with a second mortgage that I really couldn't afford while I was still, you know, working at my job and, and consulting. Somebody told me, well, you know, hey, you can sell stuff on eBay. And Unbelievable. I was like, I was like, eBay? In 2000, somebody was saying, like, you should be selling on eBay. You should just sell some stuff on eBay. And my company, I work for Accenture, and they used to give us a book budget, right? Okay. So it's like every month you'd get like $200 for books. And so, you know, I'm buying all those Q books and all the coding books. Right. But once you read through, you don't really need the book anymore. Right. You know? And so I started flipping those on eBay. Unbelievable. You had the best setup. You had free inventory. No, it got better. You had free inventory. I got better than that. All right, keep going. Keep going. No, but I'm just saying that was the beginning, but I ran out. Right? You can only buy 200 books. There's only so many books. Right. Yeah. But you were already clearing something. Yeah, I was, I was enough to make... It wasn't paying off your mortgage. It was it was enough to pay off the other mortgage. Okay. I got to that point, you know. Got it. But then I was running out of books. So one day we're sitting in uh, Waffle House. 
<laughs> Do all the best ideas happen in Waffle House? I, you know, or is it just uh, some bad way? ideas happen in Waffle House too? <laughs> well, go walking into the Waffle House is like part of the bad idea to no, begin with. No, I, I love think. Waffle House. <laughs> I love Waffle House. That's my spot. That's my spot, man. Oh man. But um, you know, it's great when it's two a.m. and you have nothing better. Where else are you gonna go? That's right. So we're looking through the paper. So again, that's an ancient thing you know for us old old yeah who reads the newspaper anymore nobody right but you remember they used to have the sales circular mm -hmm. and right around this time is when office depot office max staples were all fighting each other and the inkjet printer was coming out basically and they were doing all of this free after rebate you get the printer for free with a rebate and because they just want you to be stuck on the inks, mm. right? And so- uh, It's like the razor and the blade situation right. going on. So we used to buy these. My husband's very good at doing the you know paperwork and making sure we got all of our refunds, uh -huh. right? So we would take that box, open it, because you remember it had starter inks in it. Right, all right. So we would separate the inks from the printers, put the printer back in the box and sell it as an open box printer, open box printer. Okay. Right? It's brand new open box, which it Got was, it. just didn't have inks. And we would sell the inks and the printer and we would just, it was so good. The That's money, great. Yeah. I also said it got better because the money there, you know, we were getting free inventory. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And we sold a lot of that crap. How much would you sell on eBay in your peak year? God, I don't, I know we were doing over 25K a month because we were, you know, platinum level. So yeah. I want to say, I don't know, 500. $500,000. Yeah. That's, that's a good number for an individual selling on eBay. Yeah. And it was just the two of us, you know, the fees weren't outrageous. Right. We were running auctions. Yeah. What did it cost to sell on eBay back in the day? I don't even you remember would, You would pay a final value fee. Right. Because like, we would what, start- Like percent or something. Something like that, maybe three to 5%. I mean, now it's up to like 12, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it was- Rent is was too damn high it's now. It's too high. It's too high. It's too high, you know? And um, there wasn't a whole lot of regulations, good or bad. Right. You, know? <laughs> you could do whatever you wanted. Pretty much. Until eBay slapped your hand, which yeah. they did sometimes. Right. And then, you know, um, we came into your world- yeah. You know, and uh, it it was like, oh, wow. Not only could we do this, but we could automate it. I mean, the tools you guys created, you know, yeah, were so amazing. What, so what John's referring to is my introduction to e-commerce started at the end of 99, December 1st, 1999. I'll, I'll never forget. I was at a company called Channel Advisor, and we were building software tools for eBay sellers. Because yeah. Nobody was selling on Amazon those days. You couldn't even sell on Amazon. No, in it wasn't days. even open at the time. It, it was not open. eBay right. was the only place to be, yeah. literally the only place to be. And we had a lot of folks. This is why this is the dinosaur edition. We feel like we're the e-commerce dinosaurs. Hopefully, we're not going to get hit by a comet or something. <laughs> but all the stuff that we did back in the day are things that people are still trying to figure out now. That's true. So that's true. Talk talk to me about some of the, some of your content and your videos that you started back in like <laughs> 2003 or something. Yeah. So basically, I was you know like you said it was a you know two person shop, really a one person shop, right? And I would sell these bandanas. One day I walked into the store. Why like, band? First of all, why bandanas? Uh, well, I, 
I, they were cheap. They came in a 12 That's pack a good enough idea. for like five bucks or four bucks or something. I'm like, I wonder if we could sell these on eBay. That was, that was always the thing. We were always right. looking for stuff yeah, to sell. Could I sell this? Could I sell this, right? And so I got the bandanas and they started selling like immediately, right? <laughs> they were like, okay, these are pretty good. The problem was this was at the height of the acceptance of hip hop hmm. for the yeah, yeah. for the whole you know culture but it moved from just an underground yeah, thing to like now like Dr Dre and right, Snoop Dogg Dre or... and Snoop and and uh, uh Eminem mm -hmm. right and Tupac which right. was weird because he had already been dead right. but his resurgence was around Still. the same time and he would have this video out and people wanted to know how to fold their bandana to look like Tupac or Unbelievable. right and i made a video how to fold a bandana like Tupac. Well, well, why, why did you think of making a video? <laughs> because I got so many questions. You remember, you know, there was no way to really automate the Amazon. Yeah. I mean, the Amazon, the eBay system. Right. right? So you had to answer because if you didn't answer, you get some strikes. It's like people, you got stuff <laughs> sitting in your mailbox there. So I got so many questions about how to fold it. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to make a video. And I made this cheap garbage video, but it showed you how to fold it. And then when people would ask, I'd literally do a copy paste. Send them the video. And send them the video, right? And that thing just got like 300,000 views. Was YouTube even around then? You put it up on it YouTube? It was on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, it was YouTube and it just had, you know, started doing its thing. Got it. And so you were basically making this... You could say high quality, you could say low quality. It almost doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It still doesn't it's, matter. It served a purpose. Exactly. If and, you're answering questions. And so you're answering questions. So going back to the original eBay day, what you're talking about is buyers could ask sellers a question. Yeah. And sellers needed to answer because eBay wanted to ensure that buyers were having a good experience. Right. And what you saw was that the buyers are asking the same questions. There's only one over thing. Over and over. What else do you do with these bandanas? But yep. want to look like Tupac <laughs> so or Biggie. You know, so those are the two people. It's right. either Biggie or Tupac. Pick one. Yeah. And you know, here's the other thing too. I mean, you I don't know, think Dr. Dre wore a bandana. <laughs> the other thing was culturally, you know, I mean, black folks, we know how to do that. <sighs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? It was White so folks didn't know how to do that. They really didn't. Right. And I didn't realize that was the, you know, like we're here talking about global. You know, for us, that was, you know, eBay was global. Right. I'm thinking I'm just selling to the East Coast, West Coast kind of thing. <laughs> and all of a sudden, all these people in the center of the country are buying because they're not able to access a lot of the hip hop gear that we were selling. So um, I used to get those questions just simply, you know, how to rock this gear that way yeah. and I would have to teach him. And and you obviously were very successful selling on eBay, but then you also transitioned some of your time and energy around that time into what you might call literally the first influencer ever. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of true too, man. It was on Twitter. Very early. I, I remember there was like 20,000 people on Twitter. Right. You know, that early. And I was so used to water cooler talk. Right. From being in the office all the time. And I just had nobody to talk to. It got lonely. And I just started talking on Twitter. And all of a sudden, people started engaging with me, started following me. I would do content for people. I remember one time we ran a contest. 
they were doing this contest on how to uh, on, on savviest in social media. So right. they wanted votes. So I came up with the idea. I was like, you know, I'm going to put five news stories that I'm reading today. And then the fifth thing was, please vote for me if you like the stories. And I ended up winning from that. Unbelievable. You know? But I think that's kind of the influencer. It started moving forward from there. Yeah. And you became known online. People know. So colder talk, ice. <laughs> talk to me. Yeah. Colder ice. Right. John Colder Ice. That's your last mm -hmm. name as far as I'm concerned. I know. Right. right? It's so weird. So Colder Ice, where did that come from? So, I mean, my name is John Lawson. It's a very common name. When I looked it up, there were like 8 million John Lawsons, right? So I was like, I need a moniker. I need something different. Right. There's an old saying that uh, in the South, when there was segregation, mm -hmm. right? You know, if you think about it, everything that was white, there had to be a black version, mm -hmm. you know? So we we don't really think about the entrepreneurial spirit mm. of these days and times today. We don't right. really think about it. But everything, if you wanted your shoes shine, you wanted a hotel, you wanted a cab ride. Because right. you everything. could literally you not could. go Right. To the other one. Exactly. There was no, you know, you want a storefront. This is where you go. Yeah. Um, By the way, I just watched watched the movie Green Book again, which yes. is about the whole, which is a phenomenal movie for anyone it who's is. not seen it. Yeah. But it really, it, it, it shows you how, you know, you had to have this Literally green book. Literally how it worked. Yeah. This green book was like, these are the safe places for you to go and not get killed when riding through the South. But anyway, so um, the deal was when segregation was over- and a lot of black storefront owners would sit and watch their patrons go past their store mm. to go shop down at, you know, Walmart or Walgreens or whatever it was back right. then. Yeah. You know? And so they came up with the saying that, I guess the white man's ice is colder. And that's where I got it from. <laughs> right? I love that. Yeah. And the deal was for me, I didn't think anybody would listen to me. Back then, this was, you know, well, it's typical of anyone. It's, it's like I imposter syndrome. You're it's like, why, why would someone listen to me? I yep. think most people, anyone's doing anything, starting a business for sure. Why would somebody listen? Why, to would me? You listen? why, why do you think people listen to you? Because people did and uh, still do. I, I still can't figure <laughs> it out. But the cool thing is people use are. It. Yes. Use it. You right. know, use it. Uh, but I, I definitely think I've got a very unique way of simplifying mm -hmm. complex issues. I think that's And I think thing. that's worth a lot because there are a lot of people that make things too damn complicated. Right. They use all these ju humble jumble buzzwords just to be using them. Yeah. You know? And in, so in a business, you need to attract customers. You need to make them happy. And you need to make a profit. Yeah. It's, not, that's, three it's not that hard, is it? That's it. Right. And everything else is fluff. Right. You know? And so you really break it down for these small business owners. Yeah. Are they mostly small business owners? Mostly small business owners, you know, startups. And the cool thing is, um, you know, the e-commerce. I think there's so many tools now that have made e-commerce. They've removed a lot of the bar to mm -hmm. entry, mm -hmm. you know? So... You can build it's a Shopify store. It's easy to start store. a store Yeah. Now. You buy a Shopify store, you find some crap on, you know, Alibaba and start selling it, you know. 
And then that doesn't work. And then you create a course telling people how to make it that work. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, about you know, here, here in my garage or something like that. You know, I, but the E part is the most important part. The electronic, mm. that's the E, right? And a lot of people don't understand enough about it to really be successful. I'm like, I want you to spend time in this part of your business. Mm. Understand the technology that's running this because that's what, if you tweak this one thing, right, it can double your conversion rate. Yeah. And they just didn't know that. Interesting. You know, and I took a lot of this stuff for granted because I've been around forever, right? And I'm like, oh, this I think everybody knows. It is the dinosaur edition after all. It is the dinosaur edition, right? I bet you would do, you would assume most people know that. And so you get into these businesses, they're doing millions of dollars a year, you know, and they have no email sequence. Right. I'm like, dude, you know how much money you're leaving on the table? You don't have an SMS series at all? Do you know what you could be doing right now? Let's get that together. Right. You know, little things like that. Yeah. And so it's it's steps that people don't realize they're missing. Right. You know, right. It's like, it's not what you know, it's what you don't know. And you're bringing that to people in a simple way. Yeah, absolutely. And what's going on. And so- we were at all these crazy events together, Channel Advisor Conference, Catalyst, Marathon, or whatever the heck they were called. <laughs> right? PISA events. Does PISA even exist anymore? No, that was a professional eBay Sellers Association, right? But here's the thing, if you, if you, do you remember this? It was the PISA people yeah. that actually beta tested Amazon. Jonathan Garris. Yep. All those guys. Yep. Amazon came to Pisa and made a deal and said, hey, we want you guys, since you're the biggest sellers on Amazon or eBay, to test our third-party system. And eBay seems to have missed the boat on that. Oh, man. They, what eBay do you think eBay through? missed all these years? You know, if you create a lane, stay in it. Hmm. eBay created a lane. Auctions. Auctions. Right. And and they tried so hard to pivot. Do you remember when they created an, a separate platform? It was like eBay Plus or eBay. Yeah. You remember that? eBay Express. Ex eBay Express. It sure was. By the way, you know who created eBay Express? Who's that? Jamie Iannone, the current CEO of eBay. Wow. Really? He's back. That's insane, He's back, man. folks, but I don't think he's, he's going to try that again. No. Well, <laughs> I, I, it, it just did lesson. not work. Jamie, if you're out there. Don't do that. Don't, Don't do, do it that. again. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, then that didn't work. So they decided to change the main platform into eBay Express. Right. With that didn't Nows. work either. Neither no. of them worked. Neither one of them worked. And eBay is still existing, but it's a shadow of the... Yeah. Because they abandoned the core of right. what made eBay so amazing. And, and what do you... Like, what's the essence of eBay? Like, what is the beating heart of eBay in your opinion? Today... Today, back then, let's start back then. So back then, I mean, the beating heart was definitely the finding of something and the thrill of the auction. It's like the treasure hunt. Yeah, it was the treasure hunt, which is cool, but also the thrill of it was gamification. The winning. Yeah, exactly. It was gamification, right? You know, that's one thing that Meg Whitman understood, I think, that the, pre the next CEOs did not. No, the next CEOs had already made up some other plans they all fucked it up let's let's be honest here <laughs> you know what here's the funny thing <laughs> john donahoe yes he kind of fucked smart it, but, guy but uh, but he came in when it was already fucked up he's trying to put it back together true to some degree 
you know, but he came from that Bain Capital right. background, right? But here's the funny part. He's the CEO of Nike now. Unbelievable, Unbelievable, right? right? But you think about it. When he got there, he pulled everything off of Amazon. And I think that has something to do with hmm. his days back at eBay. Yeah, he's just trying to stick it to eBay or something. <laughs> or Amazon, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All these guys is like, no more marketplaces. No more marketplaces. And it's working. Right. It's yeah. working. Well, Nike is an, ama- is an amazing brand. It is. It is. But when I remember when he went over there, I'm like, I hope he doesn't kill it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Love you, John. I exactly. thought he was. I thought he was a really interesting person. Super, super smart guy. Super smart. Very personable. PayPal was a genius acquisition. Oh man, come on! I think eBay also lost the sauce that they were a technology company. Mm. You, you think? Know? You think they became? What, what I found is that there are a lot of people that came in from like Harvard Business School. They never sold a thing on their own. Yep. And then they had this idea of what selling online was like, but none of them had ever done it. None. None. And they were, then, you know, the edicts they brought in were just right. ridiculous. They would create these huge presentations and they would talk about it with each other all day. Yep. Yep. Circle jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Circle Can we jerk. say that on the podcast? I don't know. That's not a curse word. I think it's all right. Yeah, but it was. I mean, you know, and they were like, oh, that's a good idea. And I'm, yeah, that's a great idea. And never ask the users. Yeah. Then what happens? eBay Express happens. Exactly. I mean, sellers could have told you that was going to be from day one. a complete mess. From day one. Complete mess. And Scott Wingo, he let them have it. He, he did not hold back pulling punches on eBay. He used to have a blog. You don't see him blogging too much about this anymore. No. I think he's moved on from eBay. Yeah. Uh, but, but he's still the chairman of Channel Advisor, so he has his finger in the pie somewhere. But he used to blast eBay oh, yeah, all man. the time on these news. It, would, it used to be amazing. <laughs> I mean, I remember, you know, at the conference, you couldn't wait for Scott Wingo's keynote because he was about to bring you, you know, yeah. he was so visionary. Right. He really did have a a grasp on brilliant. what this was about to do. Scott really was did. so, so brilliant at the time predicting what was going to happen. Yeah. I swear yeah. in 2005, he predicted that Amazon would like- Take over. Take over. You, you like in the future, you're going to buy your cereal from Amazon. And you'd be like, dude, what are you talking Amazon about? brand cereal. He said those words. Amazon brand cereal. Wow. And now. It's Amazon brand cereal. It's fucking Amazon brand cereal. It's everywhere. It's Amazon brand everything. 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 Like name a product that Amazon doesn't produce now. You can't I, name I can't it. really name one. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And if you can name one, put yours on there and they'll now, create it. I, I just saw an announcement today and I, I posted about it on LinkedIn. Amazon is offering sellers the chance to be prime on their own website. So if you yes. have a Shopify store, you can sign up for- Wow. Be a prime merchant and- you have to ship with FBA, so fulfillment. You have to put your products with Amazon. You put a button on your website says "Buy with Prime," no shipping. Get it in two days, mm. just like when you go on Amazon. But you can do it on your own store. What do you think about that? Who is going to compete? That's what I think. How do you match that? You, I don't think you can, bro. <laughs> right. You know, I really. Don't think they are so forward thinking. And I mean, they've been able to do this. You know, a lot of people I know use them for fulfillment. Right. Right. But now to put it on the site 
and the branding, because Prime branding is an amazing brand. It's a killer. It's a killer brand, right? I remember the first time I flew into an airport and I saw a plane and it wasn't an Amazon plane. It was a Prime plane. It was Prime Air. I'm like, what are they doing? That's fascinating. Yeah. I'm right? like, what are they doing? I was like, you know, they're turning Prime into a brand. They're already ready to be broken up. I don't see that happening anytime soon with what we have in Congress going on now. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? You're right. Yeah, we can you're barely right. even we can't, we like can't they can maybe even walk. You know, they can barely even walk into the building without right. falling down on themselves. Yeah, much less break up a big company that's a lot smarter than they are. No offense to our. But they are. Congress. I think they're totally ready for whatever you know regulations come down. They, yeah, they, they they. But they have built this prime thing. That it's a monster. It's a monster. I remember, why the heck is Amazon getting into the video business? Right. What does it What does it mean, Amazon Video? And you notice they started rebranding those things. You know, to Prime Video. It's Prime Video. Right, right, and right. And so right. Prime is like this, Amazon is a thing, but Prime is a different thing, right? And so everybody knows Prime now. Yeah, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's- The flywheel of Prime is absolutely amazing, man. It's- it's amazing all the things that Amazon lets you do now. And how do you compete? Like, that's the question. How do you compete? I think you just, I mean, you, you've got to, you can't compete on everything. Mm -hmm. So you got to make your niche and then work it. I mean, look at Wayfair, right? They yeah. compete. Right. Remember Zappos was competing back in the day. Right. You know, so they, they have chinks in the armor. The answer is, your answer, your answer is to niche down. Niche down. That's the answer. That's my answer too. Yeah. That's what I tell everybody. It's like, yeah. forget about horizontal. You go vertical yes. and you go deep. Deep. And that's where the money's at. And you make bandana videos. Yeah. <laughs> that's how you compete with Amazon. You make some damn bandana videos. Yeah, it works. <laughs> Social <laughs> right? media works, man. Exactly. It works. I, I didn't see an Amazon Basics bandana yet, so they haven't copied um, Not it. yet. Right. Not yet, but <laughs> right. I'm sure, you know, Amazon has so many brands. Unbelievable. Right? How many do they have? Like over 85 brands. Okay. That people don't even know are Amazon brands, you know, in all categories, homeware and, right. you know, electronics, all that kind of stuff. It's crazy. That's amazing. Amazon, yeah. Amazon is a beast. <laughs> so kind of going back and forward, your business owners you're talking to about e-commerce What's something that you knew 20 years ago that was just obvious to you that people still don't get today? I would say social. Social. You know, it was always obvious to me mm. that social media and selling socially, and it's not even mature yet. Right. Right. We're just, we're still right. in the infant stage of, you know, Kardashian, that's baby stages, even though they're selling millions. I'm not saying that. But the deal is that if you go into any location in the world mm. there is a marketplace in the center of town and not only are there markets but there's coffee shops mm. so where there's conversation there's commerce interesting right and i don't think people completely get the conversation part and that's what mm. social media allows us to do it allows us to have multiple conversations one to many yeah right and i don't it's about to be a whole nother level that's, up. that's fascinating. I, I love this point because when people ask me about e-commerce and they come to me and they're like, oh, should I drop ship? How should I get into e-commerce? I'm like, don't drop ship. Don't think about selling. Think about creating content and finding your people. Right. Find offer, the audience. Offer them anything interesting and useful. 
and get them coming back to you. Yep. Then later on, sell them something. Sell them something. Yeah, absolutely. But don't do the other way around. Don't they, find a product man. and then sell it. Isn't that the worst idea in the that world? That is the worst idea. It's like I got to convince everybody that you need this product. Who wants to do that? A lot of people. A lot of people, apparently. <laughs> Everybody that comes to you for advice is doing it the opposite way they should be that, doing that's it. Right. You need to find the audience first. How should someone think about the audience? Like when you run across someone that you see doing this, mm-hmm. they're like, they, mm-hmm. they bought a product and they think they're going to make a million dollars just because they have a bunch of it. And then you're going to put it on a website and it's like the field of dreams. Everyone's going to come to my website because right. I have it. Even though, by the way, you can just buy the same thing. The same thing. Same damn thing. Cheaper on Amazon. That's right. But they're unique and special because they paid for it. That's why they're, that's, it's, why it's, <laughs> that, that's the only reason that they're unique and special. So how do you start to talk to them about an audience? What do you want them to understand about their audience before they start selling? I think the most important thing to know about your audience is that it's a product Mm. that they want. Mm. See, we all need certain things. I get it. Just because this is what you need, you need this. That's not what people buy. People don't buy what they need. They buy what they want. Mm. Right? So you've got to figure out what they want and position your marketing Mm. so that they're buying what they want, even though you're giving them what they need. This is a fascinating concept, and this kind of goes along with something I thought for a long time when people try to sell their company. They're like, oh, I'm going to sell my company. It's like, Mm. well, no, companies aren't sold. Companies are bought. Interesting. There's a difference. And the distinction is people think like, oh, if I want to sell this laptop and there are 100 people in the room and they don't want a laptop, then you're going to give away this damn laptop. Yeah, it's worthless. It's completely worthless. Right. So you can't time the sale any old time that you think you're going to be, depending on which room, you need to know what room you're in first and figure out who wants it. You know, does anyone want this thing that I have? Right. And so maybe I should be selling it differently or selling something else. Something completely different. (laughs) I don't know how many times we pivoted, but I will tell you the 80-20 rule works everywhere. So 80% of the stuff that I've Tried to sell, didn't sell. Mm. It's always about finding that 20%. Right. Right. And that 20% or maybe 10% or 5%, you know, but that's the one that blows up and gives you the massive surge. And when you find it, there's no trick to it. You just kind of know. Right. And then you got to go deep. That's when you go deep. Right. You know? All right. That's yeah. What we if did. your bandana starts selling, then you need them in every color. And then maybe you start selling shoelaces. Yeah, exactly. That's how it worked. So how did you get into shoelaces? That, that exact same thing. Same thing. You're like, what else could I sell these people? Right. What else do they... By the way, my shoelaces break sometimes. Oh, okay. Well, we can hook you up. <laughs> what else? It's like, what else do they need? So we ended up with shoelaces, bandanas, bling jewelry, sweatbands, hats. We just did all kinds of stuff, man. But it was all based on the audience that we you know, got to know. Right. And like I said, when I started, I had an idea of the audience. It was going to be that East Coast, West Coast kind of thing, urban only. And when we ended up finding these other pockets of America, it's like, okay, what else are you guys interested in? And we would ask. They will tell you. They will. If you ask them, it's amazing how many people have never asked their audience anything. Unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Like literally just call them on the phone? Yeah, you just can call them on the phone. Just have a conversation with them. Yeah. Or, or you know, do... Um, uh, surveys. Survey or something. You know, just ask people. They want to tell you. They huh. want to tell you. I think a lot of companies don't realize that. I don't think they, I don't think they care enough. Mm. I don't think they care enough. That you is know? a good point. Yeah. You need to care. 
You know, that's the thing. You, you talk about how do you compete with Amazon? Care more. Hmm. That's right? hard to do. I know. Amazon but Amazon cares, cares they care a lot. about that customer. It drives me crazy right. as a vendor on the platform, but as a buyer on the platform, I feel safe, secure. Yeah. I, you know, the experience is absolutely amazing. So there you go. I couldn't agree more. You need to care more than the other. Care more. More than the other person. Just care enough to yeah. ask the right questions, to improve the product, to improve the process. You have to care. Yeah. Caring about the customer is important, but there's also business fundamentals that you care about too. Right. Which right. is like, am I making any damn money? There's a lot and of so people how that do you, don't care. How, how do you coach people on that? Do you coach? Oh my is God. It, is it coachable? <sighs> do they know how much profit they're making? Most businesses. A owners? lot of them don't. They don't know it rightfully. Mm. They don't know it rightfully. I mean, I remember when I was a young business owner. Sure. I didn't care. All I wanted to make sure was the bills were paid. Right. Yeah, when as long I went, as there's much money in the yeah, account, exactly. I can pay off my bills. Then I was I'm happy. Good. I right. was always happy to have a cash flow right. that anytime I wanted to go and dip my bucket in, I could and buy the pool or whatever, you know? Right. But it's, it's you like- You bought a pool? I did. I bought a pool, man. <laughs> <laughs> you sold a lot of bandanas. We did sell a lot of bandanas. This is why you should listen to John, everyone, because he sold enough bandanas to buy a damn pool. I bought, I bought a pool, a house, and a car all in the same year. You know, it was just, we were blowing up. That's unbelievable. It is pretty cool. John, it's been so much fun uh, hanging catching out here up. and um, love catching up. Where can people learn more about what you're doing? How can they get in touch with you? JohnLawson.com. Hit your boy up. He can help fix your business. Or if you need anything, any help with growth. Why is my business not growing as fast as it should be? How do I take advantage of e-commerce? How can I make more money in my business? That's it. Take that's it. all it's about, That's brother. all. So yes. Appreciate you spending time with me. It was great, brother. Thanks a lot. That's all for this week. Till next time, Watsonians. Hi, I'm Rick Watson, CEO and founder of RMW Commerce Consulting and host of the Watson Weekly Podcast, your essential e-commerce digest. Our show is produced by Citizen Racecar. Alex Brower is the producer and also wrote our theme music. The executive producer is David Hoffman. To hear new episodes of the show every Monday morning, subscribe now at rmwcommerce.com slash Watson Weekly and wherever you get your podcasts. 